Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus, who is faithful to him who appointed him, as also was Moses in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, because he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were afterward to be spoken. But Christ is faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the glorying of our hope firm to the end. Therefore, even as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the rebellion like as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me by proving me and saw my deeds for forty years. Therefore I was displeased with that generation and said, They always err in their heart, but they didn't know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. Beware, brothers, lest perhaps there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. But exhort one another, day by day, so long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast to the beginning of our confidence firm to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, when they heard, rebelled? No, didn't all those who came out of Egypt by Moses, with whom was he displeased forty years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? To whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who were disobedient? We see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. This week we're in Hebrews chapter 3, the writer urges us, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Instead of the word consider, I saw in one translation, fix your thoughts on Jesus. He should continually be the object of our thoughts. Later on in Hebrews chapter 12, we'll be encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to fix our thoughts on Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus. And the writer here says, the reason for that is because he's the apostle and high priest of our confession. This word for apostle, it simply means ambassador, like a messenger one sent. And Jesus is the ultimate ambassador for God. He's the ultimate messenger. So Jesus is also our high priest. This means that he represents us before God the Father, but he also represents the Father to us. He's the ultimate mediator between God and between sinful man. Jesus was 100% faithful in his calling as the apostle and high priest of our confession. And the writer compares Jesus to Moses, who was also faithful in his house. 
the writer isn't going to put down Moses at all. But in this comparison, we'll see Jesus highly exalted, and we'll see how much greater Jesus is than Moses. A lot of the Jews at that time esteemed Moses more highly than even the angels. So here's how Jesus is superior even to Moses. In verse 3, speaking of Jesus, it says, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now Moses received glory from God in a verifiable way. People could actually see his glory. There were times when Moses' face shone. For example, after spending time with God in Exodus 34. Again, we see from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3, that Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than that. Even in the flesh, even when Jesus was here during his ministry, his glory that was revealed was so much greater than that of Moses. For example, on his baptism in Matthew 3, we have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, and there's a record of the voice of God the Father himself saying to Jesus, this is my beloved Son. We have the glory of Jesus expressed in his transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, and as well at his resurrection, of course. And so how is it that Jesus could have more glory than Moses? What was the difference? Well, the writer goes on and explains that Jesus is the builder of the house. He's the creator, where Moses is simply a servant in the house. And there's also a comparison in the fact that Moses was a servant in the house, but Christ was the son over the house. Being the son or the heir in a household was of much greater honor and glory than being a servant in the household. The writer here is using the term house when he's talking about the household of faith. And we see this used often in scripture. In the Old Testament, King David wanted to build God a house, but God spoke back to him through the prophet Nathan and said, no, you will not be able to build me a house, but your son will. And the reason you can't is because you're a man with much bloodshed, but I'm gonna build a house for you. And so God built a house for David. That was essentially manifesting the fact that through David's seed came Christ, the seed, the Messiah, and the house that's being built today is the body of Christ. Just as 1 Peter 2 verses 4 through 5 teaches that we are living stones as Christians being built up into a spiritual house. So Jesus, the builder of the house, the creator of the house, Moses, a part of the house, a servant within the house. Okay, so now that the writer of Hebrews has established the fact that Jesus is indeed superior to Moses, he's going to then issue a warning. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the writer is actually quoting from Psalm 95 verses 7-11. through 11. The people who followed Moses were held accountable to whether they surrendered and trusted God. So Israel was in slavery in Egypt for generations. So God decided in a miraculous way to redeem his people out of Egypt, and they saw mighty works. They experienced all the plagues of Egypt. The angel of death passed over them because they had put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. But the angel of death killed Egypt's firstborn children, which caused Pharaoh to finally allow Israel to go out into the wilderness so that they could serve and worship their God. And then, of course, Pharaoh changes his mind. He wants his slaves back. But the people of Israel beheld the miraculous work of God parting the Red Sea and allowing them to cross over the Red Sea on dry ground. 
and then the Egyptians coming and pursuing them, but being swallowed up in the sea. God miraculously provided food for them, manna from heaven. God gave them drink out of a rock. God was going to provide everything they needed while they were in the wilderness. You know though, instead of looking forward to the promise that God had for them in the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey that was full of giant grapes, a land of abundance, a land of rest for them, they continued to look back to Egypt. Man, I miss that meat. They had some good food in Egypt. This food's really nasty. I'm so sick of this manna from heaven. And they grumbled and they complained and they were malcontent. Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, and so when they finally come to the edge of the promised land in this day of trial, the spies are sent out and the spies come back with this report. It is this wonderful lush land flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are huge. But they were telling the people there are giants in the land and we're but like grasshoppers compared to them. And so they were looking inward. They were looking to their own weaknesses, thinking that somehow they had to enter into the promised land based on their abilities rather than just trusting in God's promise and receiving the gift that God was going to give them, trusting that God would deliver them and that he would usher them into this promised land safely by his power and his strength, not their own. And we'll read later on in the chapter, but it was essentially because of their unbelief. That's how God was provoked to anger against them and did not allow them to enter into the promised land. And this was after having seen so many miraculous works that God had done among them. And just like Israel saw all those mighty works and rejected God, did not believe. In the New Testament, something similar happens in the Gospels when Jesus condemns Capernaum because they had seen all of the mighty works that Jesus had performed yet they did not believe. And Jesus tells them that it will be better for Sodom than it will be for them on the day of judgment. So the advice from the Holy Spirit here in this section is, hear the voice of Jesus. Don't harden your hearts against his voice. It's interesting to me that the people of Israel faced judgment after 40 years. The culmination of God's judgment upon the Israelites was a 40-year judgment in which all of Israel died out, that generation, and then the next generation was the one who was allowed to enter that promised rest. Now, if Hebrews was written in the late 60s, right before the destruction of the temple, this would have been about a 40-year period as well from the revelation of Jesus' earthly ministry to when the Romans would come and destroy the temple in 70 AD. And so that 40 year, I don't know if you want to call it a grace period, but this 40 year period where God was extending his arm out to Israel to receive the Messiah after Jesus had come, that eventually came to an end and culminated in the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. What an interesting parallel. And the fact that Hebrews was issuing this warning not to harden your hearts, not to turn back to the glory of the old, knowing that the glory of the old had been fulfilled with something greater. So this warning continues in Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. Beware, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's warning them against unbelief, not to let it creep into their hearts, but to continue trusting in Jesus, continue to have their thoughts fixed upon the apostle and high priest of their confession. 
And we're told here that we ought to exhort one another daily. I think that's a huge point, especially for anyone who thinks that you don't need to be plugged in to a Christian body. We're supposed to be there for each other, to challenge each other and encourage one another in the faith. And how can we exhort one another daily when we're not around each other on a regular basis? And he says, we have to do this while it's called today. A lot of times in high school, I was kind of a procrastinator. I didn't really love doing research papers or essays. It's not that I was that bad at writing. It was just that I would put it off and there were other things that I enjoyed doing that took my time playing video games or whatever. And so it'd it'd be Sunday night and I'd finally get around to doing this essay. And then I'd be up all night trying to catch up and get it done before, before the paper was due on Monday. Man, I'm telling you what, we can't mess around with the message of the gospel and put it off. Because unlike in high school, when I'd have a paper due at a certain date, we don't know when our last chance will be to receive Jesus. We could be on this earth for 40 more years or we could die today or tomorrow. And so we can't have the attitude, oh, we'll we'll put that off till tomorrow. We'll get around to that at some point. No, today is the day. Just as the Apostle Paul echoes the same sentiment in 2 Corinthians 6.1, working together with Christ then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I have listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for all of our sins so that we could be forgiven and receive salvation as a free gift. And he offers that to us. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We can enter into his family and be given the inheritance of eternal life simply through our faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that now by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I just want to finish off the study today by highlighting verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It's really that simple. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. More than anything else, I think that's where God's wrath is kindled against the world when they've received the revelation of Jesus Christ and they've been offered by God himself the free gift of salvation and they reject it because of unbelief. California game three of the World Series When suddenly the stadium shook People started to scream And a plastic sign fell from above It crashed in front of me And I read the words from John 3.16 But no one seemed to care They were panicking And along with me Trampled over the sign The scene stayed in my mind Though my life moved on Until I saw another sign Written in the sky It said, Jesus is coming Are you ready for him? And it made me look around the world I was in In the paper I read That an earthquake had caused A tsunami and 230,000 deaths Famine was raging in Ethiopia And thousands each day died from malaria I passed a bum, passed out and drunk I stumbled upon what he was sleeping on I picked it up An unused Bible A pillow for a fallen man 
I started to read about this Jesus I had heard of And if I believed in him, I would be saved From all of the calamities that were sure to come And some were already here I'd witnessed one, so I said a little prayer And accepted God's Son into my life And the Bible is this word I read But he said not to let that trouble me I trust in him, I know that all this must be And kingdom to kingdom There'll be famines and droughts and diseases Tornadoes, volcanoes, tidal waves and hurricanes Like the earth itself is experiencing birth Pains before the earth gives birth To the second coming of our Lord and Savior The earth's creator, it will quake and shake And the whole face of the earth will change Mountains will be made low and the valleys high Israel became its own nation back in 1948 And Jesus said this generation will not pass away Till all this takes place And God said that's 120 years Israel is surrounded by its enemies All of this is fulfilled in Bible prophecies Wonders in heaven and earth will be shown to us But still many won't believe The sun will be darkened He said not to let that trouble me Be led astray by the flattering words and great signs and wonders of the false prophets and false Christ that have arrived among us today. I was walking down the street and I met some messengers from the only true and living church in ties and white shirts. They said, Twelve apostles and a prophet led today, but I knew what the Bible said. So I rejected it, cause I knew that believing in Christ was also believing in all His word and living it. The fruit of true faith is good works, no other way to put it, and helps us endure the end. There will be war, the sun will be darkened, the moon will turn to person right in front of me mock a piece of paper he had just received from a christian minister up on the street i lifted it up and uncrumpled it my eyes filled up with tears and i looked to the heavens and reflected back one score before now i've read it once more for god so loved the world that he gave up the life of his only son that whoever would just believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life 
I smiled to myself because I knew believing meant so much more than just saying it, but living it and seeing all the signs and praying to God to make the days short. He placed the sun's law on my heart. That was Is This the End from the Adams Road album Band of Prophets.
That was A Mighty Fortress Is Our God from the Adams Road piano album, Hymns of the Faith. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 5. Grace and peace be with you all.